This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Getting ready to kick off another Monday. I got the coffee ready. OG, Doug, welcome back. Got you guys remotely. This is a big high-end resort that I'm at called the Holiday Inn Express. I found out they had free bacon. So I uh, so I loaded up. I don't even need a roof over my head if, you're t- if there's a free bacon sign out front. I think IHG, the parent company of Holiday Inn, just lost money on this deal. Let <laughs> let me stay here. Steve, what happened to our quarterlies last quarter? We're just we're it's totally red. This does not meet your projection at all. How come we had to have 17 trucks full of bacon head to Minneapolis? What what happened there? Costco's got great bacon. You know who else I heard has great bacon? Aircraft carriers. Oh, they do. Can you imagine how thick it is? It just must be like a piece of bacon is like a half an inch thick on a on an aircraft. It's all seasoned, like a, mostly crispy, but there's those soft sections in it. Oh. I'm sure that's exactly how it is. I can only imagine how good the breakfast foods are on an aircraft carrier. You got to take care of the people taking care of you, right? Yeah. The fresh squeezed orange juice that really gets you. The fresh squeezed or hand squeezed the, the, the freshly caught tuna off the back of the ship. It's more mackerel usually, but yeah, That's, yeah mackerel is more of a breakfast fish. I think. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Hey, it's not just the Navy, but it's all members of the armed forces and veterans and their families. Navy federal takes care of, but today we want to do a big shout out to start off our week to the men and women serving our country on behalf of Navy federal credit union and the stack and Benjamins team. Shout out to our troops, and let's go stack some Benjamins together, shall we? Hey, this is Joe's sister, Nikki. I think I might be the only girl in the world who has a brother who spends his entire day in the basement pretending he has an internet radio show. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and how are you improving your life? Me, I'm preparing for a marathon. Today, we share a marathon of inspiring stories about people like you and how you handle your money in our special Million More Stories feature. But before that, to help you on the marathon of your health from MetPro, we welcome health and wellness expert, Angelo Poli. And finally, we'll throw out the Haven Lifeline to Michael, who has a question about helping family members deal with their own personal finances. And of course, I'll roll out my long-distance trivia. And now, two guys who are cheering you on toward the finish line of financial independence, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. 
and a happy Monday to you, stackers. I am Joe Salcihai, Average Joe Money on Twitter. It is the beginning of another week, which means we got a great show for you today. And uh, as usual, sitting across the virtual, as usual the way it's been lately. Yeah, really. Across the virtual card table as I'm in yet another city, it's Mr. OG. Say what? How are you, brother? It's another beautiful day. <clears throat> Doug said it's snowing by him, so that makes me all warm and cozy inside. Yeah, I might have to start a fire. It's like your story on the tour about how Android users get really happy when iPhone users screw stuff up. (laughs) People in the South get really happy when people in the North are like, yeah, it's it's the middle of May and it's snowing. And we're like, ha, 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 ha. I remember that. And the people in the North are the android users when something cool comes out on an iphone because when it's warm down there we're like nothing our brains don't even register it, <laughs> it we're just so numb to it it's always warm it's great these people have no idea what we're talking about but that's a great lead-in because today we are going to be playing snippets of some of the interviews i've been doing around the country uh i have been doing interviews on behalf of the nonprofit million stories And we're calling it a million more stories. One person in every city. I've never met them before. And I don't start hearing their money story until we sit down and we hit record. And we've heard some great stories. We're going to play four of them for you today. Not in their entirety. If you want to see them all, head to our Instagram channel. Or also, Million Stories is making a montage of them as well. Sign up for their Instagram channel. And we'll have links to both of those in our show notes at Stacky Benjamins. So when you sit down with them and you have no idea what's coming, You're just praying to God that they give you gold, just like when you sit down with us and record with us every day. It's just a hope and a prayer. It is wild that it just is the fountain of of just hilarity. And yeah, I sit down. I got no idea. And I have to tell you, we're what, uh, 28 cities in? And but who's I just counting? have gotten some, but yeah, but 28-ish, 28 and a half, going to be 29 tonight. And every city has given me just some great, which shows you how many great stories there are out there. And everybody has a money story. And these people being brave, sharing theirs really shows us a lot about uh, not just the people in our community, but also about how we all kind of think the same things. We all have different situations, but we think the same things about our money. We have the same fears. We have uh, very different interests, but still some really neat stories. We're going to dive into those today. We got Angela Poli here. Getting OG's bod ready for the bikini. You getting ready for the bikini? Every day's arm day, baby. There you go. We got all that, but first, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Well, if you're new to Stacky Benjamins, you may not know that I've tried out a lot of personal finance apps. I like to be a guinea pig and try out all these things so I know what I'm talking about when it comes to 
what's helpful and what isn't helpful. And uh, the app that I've used the longest has been Monarch Money. And it's because Cheryl and I, my spouse, were able to collaborate together. We can work on our goals together and our budget and our goals are right next to each other on the app. It is clearly the next generation of personal finance apps. So what is it? Monarch is the top rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, because you're a stacker, you'll get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. I love the fact that we get to collaborate. I love the fact that it's customizable. And I also love that it's this ad-free privacy you can trust. They never sell your data to third parties or show you ads. After trying out Monarch myself, I totally get why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, because you're a stacker, you're going to get an extended 30-day free trial to try it out like I try out many different apps. And this one was sticky for me because, well, you'll see when you try out the 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash Benjamins. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash Benjamins for your extended 30-day free trial. Angela Poli, Million Stories. Let's get moving. Well, spring is sprung for most of us in the Northern Hemisphere. And that means, just like the groundhog saw his shadow, it also means Angelo Poli joins Stacking Benjamins. Uh, Angelo, good to see you again. I don't know where I came up with that, but Unsatani fell. Yeah. What, what is that? Oh, it's Groundhog's Day, right? That's right. Yes. <laughs> That's right. I love leading every conversation with Bill Murray. That's how all great conversations start. <laughs> they totally do. Yeah. And and uh, you've heard the phrase, sun's out, guns out, right? I've heard that one. And it's now spring. So you're going to help our stackers uh, uh, do something, not just with the guns, but also with their diet and their meals. And I've got some great questions. I'm just going to launch into these, Angelo, if you don't mind. Let's do it. Absolutely. First question is from my friend, Melissa. And uh, Melissa, who's with us in the basement, I got to brag about her. I saw her at the Economy Conference. She was in Detroit when I used to live there, Angelo. Melissa has done just a heck of a job with their health. But here's her question. I'm sure you've seen this before. She says, I want to release the last 40 pounds to get to the normal range BMI, uh, body mass index. I already released 100 pounds over the course of a year, but plateaued by choice for the past few months. I'd also like to start training for, listen to this, for an eight mile swim. How about eight mile swim? I think she's, in fact, I think she's going to swim from Mackinac City to Mackinac Island, Michigan, if you know that area. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Should I focus wow. on her question then, Angelo, is this. Should I focus on weight release since I know the right calorie amounts or add in the swim training plan and try to adjust the calories as I go? I could probably lose most of the 40 pounds by the end of May. I was a competitive swimmer in high school. So focus on the training, Angelo, or focus on the weight. Okay, so that is a great question. So I I wrote some notes, Melissa, as we went through this. So for Melissa, the first thing is there isn't a right or strictly right or wrong answer here. However, most people end up trying to do two things at once. I work with a lot of runners. And when I'm dieting them down and pushing for aggressive weight loss, uh, I remind them I have a phrase, run in a circle, not a straight line. 
say, well, why, why run in a circle, not a straight line? Because if you run out of fuel and you're depleted and you need to be done, if you ran in a circle, then you don't have to run uh, 15 miles back home. Right. If you run in a straight line, you're very far away. So run in a circle, not a straight line. With swimming, uh, as long as you're at training for it in a pool, you're good. Because if you find that, you know, what you're being aggressive on the weight loss, you ha don't have as much fuel and you need to stop training a little bit early, you can do that. Don't under fuel and practice in the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> that would yeah. be my advice. So uh, you definitely want to consider that as far as timing of things. But it sounds like you've, you're off to it phenomenal start. You already dropped 100 and now you want to drop 40 more. You did it the right way in choosing self-selecting to give your body a break. So people will often ask me at this juncture, when they've lost a considerable amount of weight, hey, I've already lost 80, 90, 100 pounds. I have 20, 30, 40, 50 to go. How should I do it? What do I have to do? So the first thing I ask them is we need to look at what you're currently eating and decide, do we have leverage? reducing another 20 grams of carbs or cutting out 100 calories a day probably is not going to be enough to significantly move the dial. So we have to see, do we have enough to cut? And it sounds like some of the voicing and verbiage that you used, Melissa, is that it sounds like you do as you've made a conscious decision to pause weight loss. So you can probably return to cutting either a few calories and or a few carbs or a combination of the two. If you do that in step with adding consistent exercise in the form of swimming or any other exercise forms that you prefer, that's only going to enhance the energy expenditure and get you to the next level. That would be the order that I would do it in. I would say, start your exercise, but do it at a level that isn't going to overly tax your body. And I would train in a pool, not the ocean for safety reasons. And then go for it. Work on taking off that next 40. And you have experts you can reach out to for help if you get stumped. But I think you're in a great place to be able to see some real progress and forward momentum. But I, and I love this, Angelo. And this shows how different advices for different people at different places because you and I spoke last in January. And when you were on the show in January, you said, start with one, not both focus on, on diet yep. first and exercise, but Melissa's further along in her journey. Right. And you're saying, Hey, you don't have to sacrifice one for the other. She can still get the eight mile swim and keep plugging away on the 40. Correct. Yep. That's it. Just when she's at the point where she's trying to swim across a channel, yeah. make sure that well before that, yeah. you've added back in plenty of fuel onto your diet. So you have everything you need to handle. Yes. Yeah, so you're saying she's going to want to press pause again as she gets close Correct. to that. Yeah. To that day. Melissa, congratulations, by the way, on all the great stuff that you've done. You've worked very hard and it's paying off. James has a question here, Angelo. If you've been sedentary office work for a long time, like a lot of us stackers, what I, is a reasonable I, I, <laughs> I get it. I what, get it. What's a reasonable time frame for movement to get pliable enough to work out harder? Is a week or two of walking, stretching, et cetera, enough to get started with movement with weights? That's a great question. Um, the answer is starting with a, a week or two of movement to get pliable again is a great starting point for anyone just kind of getting back into the routine. 
But I would say the more pertinent and relevant issue is going to be once you get back to resistance training. So when you're talking about lifting weights, doing some weight training, any form of resistance, whether it's body weight, plyometric or weights, you want to ease into that process. You don't want to dive in and go, well, I did my week or two of stretching and walking. And so I'm going to grab those 70 pound dumbbells and start doing <laughs> So the best way to train is sports specific. And that's something that I, uh, that we drill into our athletes, but guess what? The principle is just as applicable for someone whose sport is just getting active again. So that means if you want to get better at doing a squat, the best way to train for it is not riding a bike. It's doing a squat, mm. but we're not going to start with the weight that some of us guys remember doing in high school. Right. And here's why it's deceiving. It's deceiving because your muscles remember and they're like, batter up, let's do this. Your joints, ligaments, and tendons, they're like, whoa, hold on. I haven't handled these loads in a long time. So you have to remember, it's not simply, are you still strong enough to, it's are your joints, ligaments, and tendons prepared for that demand? So always start gradual. But as you start seeing progress, it's not going to take you months and months, years and years. This is something you, as long as you start with light loads, you're going to be able to work back into a good weight training or resistance training routine in no time. Fantastic. Yeah, as, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how when I was getting back into running, that I had to forget the fact that I was a runner in college. Like I had to forget because every time I'd remember Angelo, I would go off the deep end with these brutal workouts and my body was not in that shape. Still is. We all do it. <laughs> we all do it. <laughs> Horrible. All right. Uh, uh, next question. Next question comes from Tim. Tim has this great question that for most of us, Angelo, you know, those new year's resolutions that you and I talked about at the beginning of the year, you know, that, you know, the end of January, you see those fall off. If, if, if you're, so, if you're somebody that goes to the gym a fair amount, like I do, you just kind of endure January. And then in February you get your machines back. Right. But he says, how do you make these decisions and eating habits permanent? Not just that new year's resolution that people have already forgot that fade out in six months. He says, how do you manage the root causes of overeating or not working out? Right. Yeah. I think I can actually help pinpoint that a little bit. And this is where, you know, everybody's a little bit different. I have had the privilege of working with almost 20,000 people over decades of doing this. And psychology is so important to have the right mindset going into meaningful change. And the conclusion that I have come to is that there is a difference between goals and values. And what it sounds like, Tim, what you're talking about here is exactly that. Lots of people set goals. And by the way, I love goals. I use them all the time with my clients, short-term goals, mid-term goals, et cetera. I love them. But if it's going to be permanent, goals have to be stepping stones on the way to broader values. And I'll give you probably the most iconic example. I get lots of folks that call me up, Angelo. I'm getting married in 90 days. I want to look amazing. <laughs> in 90 days. In 90 days. And guess what? They hit it. And they hit it hard. 
because they have a goal. But unless along the way, those goals converted to personal values, what happens after the honeymoon? Mm, For most of us. Go right back. The donuts come back. back. The donuts come back. Here's an interesting little psychology bit. How we view things really reflects our values. In other words, am I going to get up tomorrow and am I going to eat healthy and exercise? Now, I'm not talking in absolutes. When I get someone who goes from hitting the drive-thru to eating nothing but clean organic lettuce and salads for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, that that person is going to (laughs) crash. That person's not going to last very long. What we need is a a balance, but a meaningful shift in how you like to do life. Just like you shift how you like to do business, you need to shift how you like to do life as you see value in living a healthy lifestyle. And I can't overemphasize this enough. Habit and I'm going to say routine outweighs even motivation. Motivation is great, but it ebbs and flows and it comes and goes like that. Sure. I have, I have no motivation to brush my teeth, but I do it. <laughs> but you have the habits. Yes. That's what you're talking about though, right? That's exactly it. That's exactly it. When you have a habit and a routine. So I have two clients and I use this illustration all the time. Client A. First day on the job, they say to me, Angelo, I didn't get to the shopping you asked me to do. I wasn't able to prep any of my meals, but I'll have you know that on the way to work, I stopped and I got something really healthy. At lunch, I went to the diner and I ordered a salad with grilled chicken and I stuck to my meal plan perfectly. Then there's client B. Client B says to me, Angelo, uh, you're going to be disappointed. I shopped. I had my snacks prepared. I was ready to go. I did everything you asked. I had my whole routine laid out. I started the day great, but on my way home from work, I stopped at my grandma's house and she was making fresh apple pie and I caved. I had two large slices. Listen, listen to me very carefully. I'd rather you be client B. Mm -hmm. That client had apple pie today. But they took the actions, they made the changes that I can work with. Now I can take where you've started and we can transition that into a habit, into a routine that's going to give us the tools and the foundation for meaningful, permanent change. Client A will lose more weight in that 24-hour window, but that client changed nothing did nothing that's going to have any meaningful impact three days from now, three weeks from now, or three months from now. So that's what I'm talking about when I mean values over goals and habits and routine over motivation. So that that's the best I can give in the five-minute spiel. <laughs> <laughs> well, and actually, I think that's great because it talks also to accountability And I know that uh, I've used your organization for accountability. I use your organization. Jesse is a fantastic coach for me. I alternately love her and hate her because she, she, (laughs) we should be doing it right. That is the correct way. It is absolutely fantastic. And it's been this great relationship of accountability, but I think we all need that. If people want more accountability from you guys at MetPro, how do they find it? 
come and talk to us. Go to metpro.co slash SB for Stacking Benjamin. So again, metpro.co slash SB. And if, if you go there, you'll be invited to have a, a free consultation where you actually talk to a coach, talk to a specialist, not a call center. They're going to actually get to know you, ask questions about you, because the key to results is specificity. And so have a conversation with us. We'd love to get to know you and see if we can't even give you a few tidbits that are productive on your journey. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks for helping our stackers with sun's out, guns out season. <laughs> <laughs> love being here, Joe. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Angelo for helping us. Coming up next, we have our million stories interviews, some snippets from them. OG and Doug and I'll have some commentary, but uh, before we get there, Doug, I think you've got some trivia for us, don't you? Hey there, stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. Man, this marathon training is, is really intense. I mean, I got to get the right clothes, make sure I got my beverages lined up, stock up on caloric intake. Carboloading is my favorite part. Can you even imagine how many hours this is going to take me? I mean, they released an entire new season of Law & Order. Oh, come on. What? What? Come on. Why are you looking at me like that? Anyway, some people, unbelievably, choose to do other kinds of marathons. The kind where you have to run, and there's like zero TV involved. I mean, worse, they actually cost money to enter. I'm sorry, am I missing something? Like, a motive? That's something Law & Order taught me. I'd rather be in Marathon, Florida. Yeah, I got two motives to go there, sun and sea. So my question is, and I'm sure you saw this coming a mile away, how much was the most expensive house in Marathon, Florida sold for? Was it 1.1 million, 11 million, or 111 million? I'll be back with the answer after I do my stretches for the marathon. Stretching out these pants, of course. Well, you know, what I think about Navy Federal, I think about the veterans that have done so much for our country. And I also think about some of our active service members. want to say a special shout out to uh, my nephews, Colin and Nathan, who are both in the Navy. Colin is stationed outside Seattle, Washington on a submarine. And my nephew, Nathan, is in South Africa as an air traffic controller. And in Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants you also to celebrate members, many of whom go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. It's all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their family are eligible for Navy Federal membership. They offer 24-7 help from their U.S.-based member service. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate to see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, equalizing lender. And now a word from our sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Well, don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment's the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal, rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line, and your dividends are automatically reinvested. 
that can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money's breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money in the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Hey there, stackers. I'm snack sampler, triathlete, and long-distance punter, Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. There are only two kinds of marathon I condone, those on Netflix and the one in Florida. A set of 13 islands in the Florida Keys, according to Mansion Global, the place I go anytime I need to induce vomiting. A nearly five-acre private island with a five-bedroom, six-bathroom house sold in 2021 at a price that was not only the priciest sale ever in Marathon, but the most expensive private island sold in the Keys. So, how much did the most expensive house in Marathon, Florida sell for? $11 million. And now, to help you train for your own Sam Waterston Marathon, or another kind, I guess, let's dive into a million more stories. Let's do that, Doug. So as I've been going around the country hearing some fantastic stories, I wish I could play you pieces of all of them, but to get those, you're going to want to dive into our Instagram channel. Just go to Stacky Benjamin's podcast on Instagram and on the left, right there underneath our logo, you'll see our money stories. Click that and you can dive into all of these, but I want to play some of my favorite themes and we're going to start in Austin, Massachusetts, OG. What? It's not true. To use to use one of OG's favorite terms. It's one of my favorite lines from a movie that's terrible. Austin, Massachusetts. Doug doesn't know that one. It's from Road Trip. So so in Austin, we spoke with a wonderful young woman named Mary Grace. Let's uh let's listen to part of our discussion. Well, I'm here in Austin at Friends and Allies with my new friend Mary Grace. So tell me about, as a kid, the early money lesson that you have. Like, if you think about something from early on. We basically just didn't get money for anything fun. So if you wanted to do things with your friends or go on a trip, you had to earn it. Um, we had a trip to France, which is kind of bougie, with my eighth grade class. It was <laughs> For eighth grade, that is bougie. <laughs> I know. And it, it cost like $1,500 wow. at the time for one week. And so my parents said whoever wanted to go had to earn their own way yeah so and you did i did how did, I, how did you do it i had this very cushy job of i grew up next to a big 10 football stadium so we sold our driveway for parking at about 20 dollars a car and then i'd walk over to this alumni group and i would sit at their tailgate for 20 dollars an hour while they were in the game so that they could set up and socialize before the game and not have to worry about tear down or people stealing their stuff while they enjoyed the game. Wow. So you just sat with a bunch of uh, food and foamy beverages. Yep. My mom, my mom usually walked over with You're me. Right. That's yeah. good. I did get some good chili and they had the game on cause they had a TV set up. So it was actually a pretty sweet gig. Tell me about then life on your own. Went to college, got a job. It was not very lucrative for the first handful of years till I moved out of out of that area. I was making less than $30,000 a year. How do you have a budget on that type of money? I actually did save quite a lot. You did? Yeah. 
which is kind of weird, but um, my credit limit at that time was only about $250. Yeah. I yeah. never upped it. Yeah. And so even things like flights, sometimes I would have to pay for one flight and then pay off my credit card and buy the return trip. And it just didn't seem that weird to me because I didn't really want a larger credit. I didn't want to spend more than I had. So you had minimal credit, but you were able to save some money. How did you save? Into an emergency fund? Into a savings account? Oh, into a checkings account with no benefits. I got up to a very high sum before I started putting it into anything smart. Yeah, but still, I mean, that's a mistake, but but still you've got the savings there. Yeah. I think that's the big that's the big thing, which is great. When did you learn that that might not be optimal? During college. I just was slow on the trigger. I was in a personal finance club oh, cool. and they did the thing where if you save from 25 to 35 compared to if you start saving at 35 and save all the way till 65, who will have more money? And it's the person that saved for just the 10 years. And that was like this big light bulb. Yeah, big light bulb. Oh, I should start as soon as I possibly can. And then it took me another eight years. So what happened then? I moved to Austin, Texas. Yep. And I got a contract job and they were paying me so much money. <laughs> what felt like a lot at yeah, the time, I think after $10. It did feel like a lot. And then when I turned 26, I needed insurance. Yeah. So I switched to a job that had that. Did you have to take a pay cut to do that? A little bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, and now you have benefits, so the overall package is better. Yes. And then who were the first people kind of in our community that you followed? So I am a finance fluff article enthusiast. What is that? <laughs> What does that mean? It's like 10 ways to save money in yes. the grocery store. You're a clickbait enthusiast. Yeah, the clickbait enthusiast. Yeah. And I think on one of them, they just had maybe somewhere in the fire community. Yeah. They had a link. So I don't remember exactly, but I got into like the fire. Yeah, cool. Movements a little bit. Nice. And then that was your slope into this group of people that are completely different. Yep. Yes. Did that change your life at all? Yeah, it did. And then COVID hit and I actually started getting like really into some of the Facebook groups and I made an amazing group of friends that's all around the world that were all into fire and it's people that we like all say we probably never would have been friends in real life and now we're really good friends and that's how I actually met my boyfriend. Is it really? Yeah. But that's cool. You know, I was talking to a guy in that community, uh, Pete Adney, Mr. Money Mustache, and he was talking about, Pete was telling me that when you meet people in this community, like if you're single, you meet people, you immediately know that to some degree, not to a complete degree, but you have some shared values, which may, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's really cool. And it's kind of a nice group because we're not going to pressure people into doing things that spend money, but secretly we know that everyone probably can afford it. Yeah. Which is like a nice way to do things. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, hey, we all want to go to this expensive restaurant. I mean, don't get me wrong. We can. Yeah. But if we if we don't value it, who who cares? Yep. That's really cool. Your biggest mantra when it comes to good money skills would be what? Knowing how much money you have. I think that a lot of people, they don't know their numbers. It's kind of like avoiding bills. It's like they're avoiding knowing. But, you know, there's people watching this right now, Mary Grace, who are like, I don't know my numbers and I'm afraid to look. What would you tell them? That it's not going to get better by not looking. It's probably only going to get worse. So you really need to know 
so that you can do something about it. Thanks a ton for hanging out with us for a few minutes and telling your money story. All right. It's thanks, Joe. awesome getting to know you. Let's dive into these OG. The first thing here is she had a job where she didn't like the people that she worked with and changing that made all the difference in the world. And I feel like a lot of the time employers think that just offering people more money is going to keep people happy at work. And yet if you just treat people well, some people that Mary Grace seems like she'd be a star employee to me. And uh, I think you keep people longer if you just create a better working environment. Yeah. I mean, that's why we don't offer Doug any more money because we know, you know, that's not really going to motivate him. Mm -mm. Of course not. But if we just bring the donuts in the morning, he's good to yeah. go. I think there is something to be said for uh, just going to work in a, in a job that you love every day. And, and this gets to point number two with Mary Grace, which is surround sound. And, you know, even before coaches, even before smart people in your corner, even before advisors, just surrounding yourself with the right people, OG, you know, when she started talking about the fire movement and about actually getting focused, it's so much easier to be focused on good money habits when you're surrounded by other people that have great money habits. I think I've heard that you are the average of the five people you hang around the most. That's good. Which is uh, not great for you guys. But uh, <laughs> A question that we got uh, in, in one city is, though, how do you tell people, OG, that you don't want to be around them anymore? How do you go, yeah, uh, I need to upgrade my friends list? I think you just fill your day with other stuff. You can ghost somebody if you want. That's fine. But if you are trying to upgrade your whatever, your group of people you hang out, you better be hanging out with them. Like, oh, I'd love to go, you know, throw rocks at the old church building with you guys. But uh, turns out I'm busy at the library today. What, what, throw you know, rocks. That's the example you came up with? Those are the bad guys. I was just saying, if you're trying to upgrade your friends, yeah, those yes. are the bad guys. And you're trying to be better and go sit the lab. Yeah, I I think that's 100% correct. I I just love the idea of just maybe ghost those people, just have less time for them and spend your time seeking out uh, better influences. Love that. So Mary Grace kicks things off for us today in Austin, certainly not the first interview that we did, but in the very next city, Houston, I got to meet Cecil. Let's listen in to uh, Cecil and I. here with my new friend Cecil. Let's talk about you as a kid. I like getting these stories from people. My family didn't talk about money much, did yours? Uh, not at all. Not at all. We didn't talk about it much because we didn't have it much. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you remember any money lessons really at all from, from family? No, not really. No. Uh, don't tell people you got it and hide it when you die. <laughs> yeah. But how do you justify like not telling people I got it and at the same time being open with money now? Because yeah. it seems like because you're here with us, you're now open about your money. I am. I am because of the, the thousand mistakes that I made about it. You know said Not only money, but credit as well. So, you know, going through those hard times have prepared me for this. When was the first time you remember having money? Uh, when I was selling candy door to door as a kid, I sold $12 worth of candy. I did 12 bucks. 12 bucks. And yes. I took all that money and went and bought candy. Immediately. <laughs> oh, you didn't reinvest in more candy. Nope. So let's dive into you then. So you get through your primary school, high school. Yep. What happens in Cecil's life then? Uh, so I was introduced to a computer class, a free computer class at the Boys and Girls Club. 
Really? Yes. Yes. Well, we they, they taught us how to break down a computer, dang their code a computer. So, yeah. And you fell in love? Oh, loved it every day one. Yeah. Uh, so from there, I actually got an internship uh, at one of the uh, financial firms in Kansas City. Nice. And there's a lot of financial firms in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. There's a yeah. lot of money in Kansas City. In their IT department? Uh, yeah. Did that internship then turn into a full-time job? Absolutely. It did. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now you got your first full-time job. Tell me about that. That's obviously now... Cecil's from a family that hasn't had money. Yep. You never talked about money. Yep. And now you're probably making some pretty good coin. Oh, I'm making $15 an hour, and I was rolling it, though. You can tell me nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but did you have a benefits package, too? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was definitely. Yeah. Now, benefits package comes with like a 401k and all that stuff. Were you saving in any of those? I, I was, but not on purpose. Uh, so I didn't even know I was enrolled in. Uh, but I'm glad, I'm glad I was. This is an interesting thing that we have not yet talked about, the power of hiding money from yourself. Yeah. Because there's so many times that people are like, yeah, my 401k comes out. I don't even know how much it is. I don't know how much I have. Yeah. It, it's so great. Yeah. Like hide it. And it's automated. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. So you save into the 401k, mm -hmm. but you mentioned earlier that you also got into credit card debt. Oh, yeah. Just like me. How did you start on your credit card journey? Ooh. Uh, so... The first time we filed bankers. Well, the only time we filed. I don't have yeah. a whole bunch of but. Yeah. How much debt was there when you filed bankruptcy? Uh, let's see. By the end of my IT journey, I was making maybe 120 a year salary. I was probably 150 in debt. <laughs> the average person also thinks that more money is the answer. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. I also thought that's it. I also believe that, oh, just to, oh, if I can get another raise, if I can make $17. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, that's never the case. Yeah. It is definitely a mindset. So then you go through bankruptcy. How did you then start to build a foundation? What was the turning point no. Cecil's money journey? Actually, it wasn't even the bankruptcy because even after that, I was still making stupid mistakes. You know, I, I believe the, the turning point for me was when I moved to Houston. How long ago was that? About five years ago. What did you do first? Build an emergency fund or what did you do? Uh, so the first thing I did was to get the funeral together. Oh, no, yeah. And, and so I definitely believe there's, uh, I guess, different pillars. And, uh, the first one should be, like you said, the emergency fund. Yep. We should have an emergency funeral. Yeah. Yeah, which is now what you do because you yep. believe in it so much. Exactly. That, that's really interesting. But I also like starting with the end and kind of working backwards, right? Mm -hmm. Take care of all of the things that you worry about first, and mm -hmm. then you get smooth sailing because you need freedom from work. Yeah. Cecil, thank you so much for telling me your story. I love the fact, OG, two things about my conversation with Cecil. Number one, that he's so open and honest about the fact that he really struggled with money. And like a lot of people, he thought that just making more money was going to solve his problems. And I think, by the way, this was, this was me. I thought that I didn't need to get a lockdown on my budget so much as I just need to make more money. And you know, it was weird because my budget wasn't locked down. I made more money, more money, more money, and nothing good happened. I just kept blowing more cash because I didn't really have any type of plan about putting it in the right place. I think there's some spot at which, you know, more money does help, right? I mean, if you're making 30 grand sure. a year, getting to 50 really matters. If you're making 50, probably getting to 80 really matters. But once you're kind of in that high five figure, low six figure range, I, I can't see how the extra dollar is useful unless you already have a plan for it. You know, if you're making 100 grand a year and struggling, you will struggle when you make 200 a year. There's just no way about it. If you're going to 
give money away or if you're going to put 5% in your 401k, you know, people always say, well, as soon as I make 200,000, then, then I'll max out then my I'll 401k. Do it. Yeah. It's like, if you can't put 5% into your 401k at a hundred grand, you're not going to do 5% when you have 200 grand. It's just not a thing. So if you're past that level of, you know, taking care of your needs, which, which some people are still working on and I get that. And you think that another dollars can help? Uh, I think you'd be surprised. Nick Majuli in his book has a great one of the most useless graphs OG ever, showing that if a you great make two, useless graft, oh, graph oh 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 when I say great you're gonna love this. It's a graph that shows just how much easier it is to save forty percent of your income when you make two hundred fifty thousand dollars than it is to save your income when you only make $100,000. Was that a government-funded research effort? Yes. But Nick's just making the point that, you know, we talk about saving a bigger percentage of your income, and he's like, yeah, when you're making forty grand, you probably can't save half of it. But you can get started, and you can lock down your budget, right. and you can put a few dollars away. So, but getting into this game of, of so-and-so is able to save 40% of their income, and I can't, the average person, we hear about the person making $250,000 blowing all their money. And he makes a big case that that's kind of the outlier. Making more money is a huge key to getting further ahead. No doubt about it. But you also have to have the systems in place. Otherwise, you'll run the risk of the of the lifestyle creep happening. Yeah, it was totally me. Let's talk about the other part of this interview. He now works in the funeral industry. And this idea, this idea of planning your funeral ahead of time, OG, I know that... Um, it's something we don't want to think about. We, we really don't want to go there. But I feel like you can save lots and lots and lots of money uh, in your estate by taking care of this stuff ahead of time. Uh, I have no commentary on this. Surprisingly, I have not given one, one ounce of thought to it other than from an estate planning standpoint, you know, making sure that the trust is done correctly and, you know, kids are taken care of and that sort of thing. But if you're talking about like what hotel I want to be put at, is like what, what, is it? What, what is that called for dead people? It's like a hotel, but hotel for, dead, for people. dead people, a funeral home cemetery. Yeah. Cemetery. You know, I haven't thought about any of that stuff. You, know? you can check in, but you may never leave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I just made that up on the spot. Yeah, that's good. You should turn it into a song. Thanks. I think I might. <laughs> I, uh, I from Houston flew to San Francisco to begin our West Coast string and uh, talk to Billy in San Francisco. Billy has another interesting story. Let's listen in. Let's start, I guess, at the beginning. Family, growing up. What are your early money memories? Did your family talk about money at all? Did you get any money lessons? Well, no, not money lessons, but I think that's kind of the downfall is that my dad, I learned that he is really bad with money. Oh. He does a lot of things on credit. Yeah. And because of how he treated us, always saying that, you know, it's good, it's good, it's good. We thought we were doing okay, but in reality, we weren't. And that kind of hits, hits home a little bit. That's why... I, Trying to trying to stack some Benjamins <laughs> so I don't end up like Dad. <laughs> well, here's here's to that. But I think about your dad too. Even as you're talking, Billy, I mean, it, it seems like it must have been hard for him to hold that in. Did he hold a lot of stuff in? Uh, I I think he did. So he probably just wanted the better for us. Yeah. But in the way that kind of 
set me up for failure also where yeah. I wouldn't know the actual money lessons to learn and you know to not buy things on credit to have to enough money to save up to afford it instead of buying everything on credit so when you went away from home then I'm assuming based on you saying that you you were just spending <laughs> oh, money oh yeah yeah well even when I was at home I was just spending money especially when I got you know the military spending and oh, all yeah, that. yeah 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 uh, it's I'm still recovering. So I was actually in the reserve. So when okay. we were on deployment, right after deployment, then yeah, it's when all the money starts. That's right. That's, yeah. that's when the money goes is when you get back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Uh, early, early credit. It sounds like you might have had a credit card problem like a lot of us do. Yes. Yeah. How did you solve it? Multiple times I've gotten in debt, out of debt, in debt, out of debt. I guess I never learned my lesson first few times I think it was well first it was deployment money right yeah and then the second time I think I did like a consolidation loan and then I went on another deployment and now I'm, I'm still recovering from that yeah gotcha so let's go through that because this happens guys all the time it isn't Billy you see that you've got this big deployment check coming and you're like hey I can I can put this on credit for a couple months because I have this forward money coming and the bad news is you spend the future and then that deployment money comes and then you start over from zero and you don't have any emergency funds so then you go right back into debt then the consolidation loan only works only works if you a stop using the credit and then B take the money and put it into emergency fund which once again not Billy nobody does it Nobody does it. I, I would see people, Billy, that would just go like this with their money over and over. They'd get out of debt back in, back in, out. It, it, it's like the shark teeth, you know? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think third, maybe fourth time for me now. It, I'm trying to get out of it. So you're getting a foundation now. I'm, I'm trying. That's super cool. <laughs> That's great. And, and you found our show. Yes. Yes. yes I, but tell me what you've done so far to try to get a foundation in place. Uh, old sponsor of your show, um, Cute Money. Yes. I signed up for that. Yes. Before. I love Ryan and the team. Yeah. Great people. I've been using that and it's been keeping me on a very good track because everything's in the envelope, right? Yes. Everything is set aside. So before that, it was simple and then it got shut down. Yes. That's why I look for Cute Money and it's it's been working well. So. For people who don't know what Cube Money is, it's the basic envelope system from the 1950s where, you know, mom traditionally would take money and set it in all these envelopes. And when the envelope's empty, you don't spend any money anymore. And so that's really working for you. Yes. Yes. Have you been able to then start a savings account and get some money in emergency fund? Uh, a little bit, yeah. but I'm also focusing a lot more on the debt payment right now, the credit card stuff. Gotcha. So. There's the other side of this that people don't talk about a lot, Billy, which is changing your income. You know, we, we see inflation's at 7.5% right now. Yes. Have, have you talked to your boss about a raise at all? Not yet, but I plan to. Yeah. And I'm also actually looking elsewhere <laughs> to, Are you see, yeah. to see if I can make my um, income a little bit more. Yeah, because studies show that if your boss doesn't give you the raise, somebody else will. Last question. When you look at your goals and you look at what you really want to have happen, what, what's really important for you about money in the future? Safe, retirement, um, I think that's what my dad is running into right now is not having uh, enough money for retirement and he's there's also kind of like a cultural thing where he is maybe expecting the the sons to help him in retirement that was my very next question is are you worried about helping him too a little bit a little bit but yeah. um he has a little bit but not enough to you know be a nice long retirement so i think eventually he might run out of money and there is a time I'm gonna to have to help them, but we'll, we'll figure that out when we get to that point. 
to, no, to... I just don't want to end up like him. I want to be able to have my own, enough for my own, and maybe leave some for, you know, my kids or grandkids. So. Well, I love that you're here. I love that you're building a foundation. I love that you're climbing out of debt. Thank you for your service as well, man. Thanks for stacking Benjamins. Of course. Thank you. So Billy OG tried and tried and tried again with his money. And while good things happened over the short term, he relapsed into, into some bad habits again. And I think, I think there's just this great, great thing that Billy's doing, which is get back on the horse, you know? Okay. You, you messed it up that time. Get back on, get back on. Like, don't curse yourself for falling off the horse. Get, get right back on and. Billy's going to succeed just because he continually works on upgrading his habits and doing better things. He's learning from every mistake. I mean, isn't that what Angelo Poli was talking about? Yeah, agree. Talks about, yeah. you know, your fitness program or your eating healthy and that sort of thing. There's going to be days where you have a donut. <laughs> you know, there's going to be days where you have a whole pack of donuts and just, you know, that's not the time to just go, well, I guess I can't do it. I guess get up the next day and try better, try harder. The second thing, this idea of his dad and taking care of his dad, you can tell, OG, that this is really hanging over his head, that his dad is so bad with money and his dad feels like Billy's going to answer his questions. So not only does he have this feeling that, you know what, I got to get my own act together. He's not just responsible for him. He's responsible for somebody else's money. And how many people are in this sandwich generation, right? They're maybe taking care of an, an older member of their family but also maybe taking care of kids. Like these people have some real work to do. There's a uh, study. I haven't seen it. I saw the headlines of it the other day in the news that 50% of adults are taking care of their children financially or providing some level of financial support. The other two-year-olds are screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm paraphrasing it a smidge. Sorry, Billy. Wow. Get a job. <laughs> Time to get a bow and arrow and hunt for some squirrels. <laughs> okay. Okay. I think everybody knew what I meant about taking care of their kids, <laughs> not not the two-year-olds, but their adult children. So, you know, <laughs> my first thought was, if your parents are taking care of you and you're an adult, get like, get your ass to work. <laughs> like, what? like, what? What the heck? You know, you're supposed to take care of your parents. It's supposed to go that way, you know, and and, and there's certain cultures that that is expected, whereas uh, apparently here it's the other way around. So no, I, I worked with a woman who was in her late 20s and was still getting an allowance from her father, and she was proud of it. She talked about it all the time. How else do you think I'm going to afford my BMW? And my BMW? Yeah. I know it. See, basic things when your kid's struggling, I get. I don't understand the BMW. Yeah, I had a hard time with that one. It, it really, it tells you a lot about both sides of that equation. Those. Two but I will tell you, for people that want to dive into more of these stories, I spoke to Emily in Chicago, a nice uh, young woman who is living at home so she could pay off her student loans. And her parents were very happy having her at home. She was helping out around the house. She was... Uh, you know, making the grocery store runs, going to pick up prescriptions, whatever it might be. She's helping around the house, but she is also getting free rent and parents were very happy to help. And that's not the only city Uh, in two or three others. I saw people who were in their twenties who decided, made the tough decision, OG to move back home so that they could get the student loan debt uh, burden taken care of. 
I feel like that's a different thing. You know, when I hear that parents are taking care of their adult children, so there's no mistake, I don't think of like, hey, can I work really hard at this thing and I'll do the dishes while I stay in my old bedroom and I'm going to take all my money and pay off my student loans in 18 months and then I'll get the hell out of here. Like that I can get behind, right? Like that I can understand. I don't understand the like, how do I make my BMW payment if daddy doesn't make it for me and I'm 50? Yeah, Billy is really in a spot where a lot of people are worrying about dad, worrying about his own money. But uh, I just got this feeling, and I'm, I'm sure you all do too, that Billy's going to succeed because he's mm-hmm. he's very focused. And obviously, we talked about surround sound with Mary Grace. He's coming out to our event. He's going to places where he's going to find like-minded people and, uh, and absolutely love that. A few cities later, I was in Fort Lauderdale. We're going to end with this one today. And I spoke to Maria and uh, Maria, man, does Maria have a story? Let's listen. So Maria, tell me about you. Who is Maria? So I am a public school, middle school, English language arts teacher uh, in Miami. I was an English major in school. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. No, I was an economics major in school. <laughs> so we switched places. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, I got married and I had kids. So I had to kind of put my career goals aside to focus on the family. Yeah. And um, I stayed home for 11 years. Wow. Took care of raising my children, um, enjoyed my marriage at that time. Okay. And then when my youngest turned, I want to say she turned about four or five, is when I I jumped back into work. Uh, Tell me about money for you growing up. Did you grow up talking about money? Did you talk about it in your family? Not at all. Not at all. So I came from um, a military background. My father was career military, and we constantly moved all over the place. You know, my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and I had two parents in the household, and my dad was an excellent provider. You know, so, again, it was a very traditional conservative sure. upbringing. Yeah, like that. Right, right. But no money discussions. Never. So when you first handled money, I can't imagine you would have been great at handling money. I think I kind of was because, like, my first car I paid cash for, and it was brand new. Wow. I bought a brand new car when I was 18 because I worked in high school. My second car I paid cash for, and it was brand new, too. So so if you never talked about money growing up, really, how, how do you think you got good at money? When I started my adult life with my husband then and my children, it, it wasn't that easy. It wasn't easy at all. There was just all these things to be paying for. And we always tended to have money troubles in the marriage. Uh, There was just like uh, never enough and constantly living paycheck to paycheck. It sounds like that changed, though. When you were single, it sounds like you were fine saving. But once you entered the marriage, it was that's when the struggle really began. Yes. How did you cope with that? Did you guys have any type of budget? Did you find credit card debt was... Yes. Was created and yeah, yeah, yeah. We we suffered with a lot of uh, consumer debt, and we would keep cars ten and twelve and fifteen years. That we were good about. So it was just hard. I don't really know how to put my finger on it because I can't really think of anything that like I wasn't a shopper. It wasn't like I was at Macy's yeah. every weekend. Sure. My biggest bill was uh, the food bill. Yeah, but how many? Bill. Say, how many kids though? We we were a family of five at that yeah. time. Yeah, and so. Um, After 24 years, we divorced, and the four of us, me and the three children, became a team, and we just became super focused on how we were going to survive. 
Yeah. How we were going to keep the house. Oh. Because we were afraid that we would lose the house. Sure. I did. Were you he got his then? retirement. Yeah, yeah, I was working. Yep. I was working for maybe about three or four years okay. full time. He got his retirement mm-hmm. and his retirement IRA, 401k, whatever it was, equaled the value of the home. So I got to keep the house and he got to keep his 401k. Yeah. And but then for you, you were starting over then with completely, retirement. Completely. completely. I had no retirement. Yeah. You know, because um, I had banked on spending those years with my spouse off of his 401k. And um, it didn't work out that way. So I did take the garage of the house and I converted it into an efficiency and we took on a tenant. Okay. And how, so, How much money a month did that bring on? So it cost me with permits to do it legally, $35,000. Okay. Through the county and the city and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. It took a long time, it took a year to get done because wow. of inspections yeah. and the permitting process. So you're shelling out $35,000 over the course of a year with zero return. Right. So you're going further yeah. backwards for right. quite a while. So the tenant, they bring in $1,000 a month okay. in rent. Yeah. And that covers my mortgage because I still had a balance due on the house. That's fabulous. So now you are free then to finally focus on retirement. And building my emergency fund sure. and stockpiling money in a Roth IRA and I've gotten the kids on board with that. They've all opened up Vanguard's account, Vanguard nice. accounts. Yeah, just like I said, laser focused on the budget, laser focused on making money, having okay. a side hustle. Well, well, and I like that because Sorry. because it ends up being a two a two prong game, which a lot of people try to have a better budget, but it's not always about the budget. I mean, increasing that difference between what you make by raising it and locking down the budget really is where the magic happens. Yeah, You're, you did both. Right. Yeah. Thank you. The financial move you're most proud of. What's what's the thing that you did that people watching this can really learn from Maria? I guess being able to cover the mortgage with the tenant. That's fabulous. Yeah, and I've that's got to give you. I, I just can't imagine the freedom from worry that that, that tremendous. That it was a tremendous stress relief. I'm just very grateful, very grateful for my tenants, very grateful for my children, because they really learned a lot. <laughs> And they've taken it to heart and they're trying their best to set up their financial freedom and their financial future as well. Do you find that for you, gratitude equals wealth? Yes. Yeah, me too. Well, Maria, thank you so much for letting us get to know you. You know, this is really sad, OG. Not only did Maria go through a divorce, but I met so many and this, and this is the hard thing because I don't really like talking in absolutes that women are X or men are X, but I spoke with so many women along the way, whether for million stories or just people that were at our event whose husband had died and they didn't know anything about their money or they had been through a divorce and their husband, like Maria's case, had handled all their money. And I love how Maria just mobilized how man, once she was, once she realized that she couldn't rely on her husband and she was going to have to do this herself, she went from disinterested to hugely in charge. And I think that it's okay to not be the primary person that handles the money in your family, OG. But I also think it's a huge mistake 
to just let that go and not know anything. Yeah. The risk that you run is that, you know, something tragic happens, like you were talking about. You get bamboozled some way, shape, or form. You sign up for a credit card you didn't know you had, or you think the house is almost paid off and you don't know that your spouse actually took out another loan. You know, like like we hear stories like that too. And I think from an empowerment standpoint, it feels so much better to have have a finger on the pulse of what's happening. You know, the CEO of Disney isn't down reconciling the bank accounts every single day. You know, he's not signing the checks or making sure payrolls run. But you better believe he's got a pretty good idea of, you know, what the financial statements are going to look like. You know, that's probably a, a better way to handle it than just say, well, I don't do that. My, my wife does that. Yeah. Well, because it ends, and, and uh, this woman did not speak on our Million Stories piece, but a woman I spoke with for quite a while in Tampa, her husband passed away young and unexpectedly, and now she's completely in charge of her financial situation, had no clue, wanted nothing to do with it, and he did the right thing, OG, and left her a nice life insurance death benefit along with their savings but she had no idea what to do with it. And she was partly at our event because she was starting to try to figure out what do I do with all this money? And uh, it was so frustrating talking to her. It was great talking to her. Hmm. I was glad she was there and she was on the path, but I also felt so bad for her that she was trying to go from zero to 60 in a, in a short, short, short time. Hmm. Maria did something else just to end this on a more positive note. I love the fact that one of the first things she did was took her garage and had it remodeled so that she could have an apartment at her house. So somebody else could pay enough rent that her mortgage was covered. and She didn't have to realize it. I love this idea. OG, of thinking about, we often think we don't have resources. We think, "Mm, man, I can't do that. There's no way I can do that. Look at Maria. All she has is this garage and she takes the garage and turns it into enough money so that of all the things she has to worry about, and she's worried about a lot of things, clearly, she doesn't have to worry about where does her mortgage payment come from next month. As long as she keeps a runner in there, love it. she's going to be fine. Those are just four people. Big thanks, by the way, to Mary Grace, Cecil, Billy, and Maria for joining me. If you want to see the rest of our Million Stories interviews, again, go to our Instagram page, Stacking Benjamin's podcast. Just put that in there and uh, follow us and you will get all the updates as I keep going around the country talking to people. Hey, let's throw out Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, Doug, they put what you value first. Uh, minty fresh breath. Always good. And I got to tell you at these events, I worry about that all the time. I'm like, no. am I just, you know, am I just talking to somebody and they're going, oh my God. Yes, they are. Well, the only time you really need to worry about it is when you're when you're doing the million stories interviews because when you do those interviews, you are like you're closer to that person than I've been to my wife in years. It is. <laughs> I have to warn people that it's unnaturally close, but you look at the videos, you look at it on the video screen and we look normally apart, but when you're sitting there just to yeah. get us on that phone together, I yes, I am yeah. I'm like this is going to feel awkward for the first 10 seconds to stay on to stay on the super tangent i mean watch any movie or tv show people are way closer when they're having conversations than we are in real life but i think they have to do it to just get the frame get the shot yeah, yeah it, it is so weird how different it looks on the video than it, than it is in real life but yes you do have bad breath 
Well, thank you. Minty, fresh, fresh breath. See, this is why you have good friends like Mary Grace. I surround myself with nice people that have my back. It's all that surround sound. They wish they were looking at your back. It's actually, I don't even know what that means. They don't want to be facing you because they don't want to smell your breath. Oh, gotcha. Buying quality term life insurance is actually simple. You go to stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life. Matt from Haven Life is like, what does this have to do with Haven Life? What it has to do is you probably live longer. People don't want to kill you for your horrible breath. You go there, stackybenjamins.com slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. Not too much of a stretch. Their application is simple. It's online. You get an instant coverage decision. Price is affordable. All policies issued by their parent company, Mass Mutual, more than 160 years old. And today we're going to throw up the lifeline to my friend who I actually met in Minneapolis, Michael. Say hi, Michael. Hello, Joe and OG. We recently gave two family members gas money for travel up here for the Passover Easter weekend. Our three-year-old loves to see the family members, but with a second child, it's not as easy to give gas money. Is there a class or a service that teaches one about managing money? Thank you very much. Mike from Minnesota. Mike, thanks for that question. It was great uh, meeting you at our Minneapolis event. Teaching family members, I think there's really two questions. There's Mike's question. Is there some class that you might be able to give to family members to teach them about money so you don't have to give them gas money? But I think there's a second question here, OG, which is if I went to one of my family members and said, hey, here's a class on better money management. Yeah. The judgment that would seem to come with that might upend the goodwill, you know, that's intended. Like, I, I think people might be offended. Yeah. I, boy, this is a really tough situation because, I mean, if you are at the giving gas money stage, I don't know that you're at financial management stage, you know, I mean, unless you're like truly just blowing through money like crazy then yeah. But when I think had to give somebody gas money, I think we got to work on the top of the income statement. We need to be bringing in more money through all the stuff that we talked about or you talked about just today, you know, side hustles and asking for pay raises and like being okay with, with the uncomfortableness of that. And so I don't know that it's a financial management issue if you can't put gas in your car. You know what I mean? That just to me means you need to like there's something going on on the top of the top of the income statement. We need more. We need more ins. Well, but isn't Mike? Uh, my inference from what Mike shared was that he feels like there probably is enough top line, and that they're not managing how they spend to be able to afford gas money. I mean, maybe. I mean, that's but so he, bad. It's ridiculous. Sorry. Either way. <laughs> Uh, I think Joe's right at the beginning. It's like, wow, what a difficult, uh, spiny, prickly conversation to have with somebody to say, I kind of think you're an idiot and you're not spending your money the right way. <laughs> you're, you're so, you're so bad with money. You can't even remember to have How bad are 30 you? bucks right. laying around to put gas in your car. Uh, I mean, maybe it's like the family came up from New Mexico, and it's like you know, it <laughs> yeah. was like fifteen hundred bucks in gas. Like that's a different thing. I mean, I'm Could thinking be a whole like different deal. I'm thinking like 
somebody's down the street and needs five bucks to put gas in the car, 20 bucks to come across But either way, you're making, regardless, even if it's from New Mexico and it's expensive, you're still making the statement to somebody that you don't think they're managing their money in an intelligent way. Well, but in my mind, it would be different. If somebody's like, hey, I need, if you want me to come up for Christmas or you want me to come up for Easter, Passover, I'm going to need two grand to put gas in, you know, I mean, it's a 1500 mile trip and, you know, that's for more for me then, you know what I mean? As a person okay. who wants the per, you know, if I want Doug you to want come down there to my with house, you. All right. yeah, and it's like, you know, that's a big ask to put the family on a plane and, you know, or pack up the car and be gone for a week. Like that, that's a lot of stuff. And I, that's a different thing. I didn't get that part of the question. I, you know, I didn't hear that. I heard my broke ass brother-in-law doesn't have <laughs> 20 bucks to put money in his pickup truck and drive his ass to here for Christmas. I think... I think you have to just start with, from an education standpoint, just throwing stuff at them to see what sticks. You know, I don't think courses are the way to go. Like, hey, community college has a uh, Dave Ramsey class you should attend. <laughs> they you won't know. show. They I won't don't even show. think you could do the whole, like, come with me thing. I think you have to... That's funny. That was my next question, the come with me thing. Hey, let's do this together. Kind of a... You don't think that'll... That's not going to fly. I mean, maybe. Well... Joe, you are missing the obvious play here, which is he should have said, hey, come with me to this event in Minneapolis that I'm going to. And it's about this great book. Just a book signing. Right. And, you know, and then he would realize how fun finances can be. And now he's in. And next thing you know, he's renovating his garage. Yeah. There's got to be a breaking point, I think, for everybody. The pain of changing is greater than the current situation, the pain of the current situation for this individual. And until you get to the point where the pain of the current situation is greater than changing, no one will change anything. I mean, this is the same story of like, well, I know I need to put 12% in my 401k, but I really only feel like doing eight because I would rather have, you know, Hulu, Netflix and Disney plus and go on vacation and have a new car. That is a long-term pain that you can't possibly feel right now. And it's, you know, it's just math. It's going to work out badly for you that you have a new car instead of a 401k contribution, but that's not painful enough. What's painful is I don't want to be seen driving my old beat up truck. So I'm going to get a new one. That's more painful. And until those things flip somehow in your mind, whether it's a, you know, like, you know, some blinding flash of the obvious type thing where you just kind of get jolted into reality of like, this is not the way that I want to run my life the rest of the rest of the years or something tragic happens. You know, it's like I do, literally don't have enough money in, to, to put gas in my car and mom's in the hospital and I can't make it like something like that has to happen to like scratch the record and shake, shake the trees a little bit here to to motivate the change. And I don't know unless you're a skilled negotiator <laughs> to be able to, that you could pull that off. Uh, that has to well, come internally. Yeah. And that's my next question, which is, is Mike actually doing them a disservice if he does give them gas money? Is it going to be better, kind of the tough love thing to go, yeah, um, no, I guess you're just going to miss this one. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's more for him and his kids than it is for them. So... They might say, okay, well, you know, if you want to see us, if if little Susie wants to see, you know, Uncle Bob, you're going to pay type of thing. That may sound that may sound harsh to some people, but I'll tell you that I reached my rock bottom 
when I realized that I had no resources left, when I realized I couldn't borrow money from, I'd already borrowed money from family, couldn't borrow money from family anymore, had no credit, couldn't borrow money from family. I was without resources. And that was the wake up call that made me change things. Everybody has to go through it. You know, hopefully we get it sooner in our lives than later, but there has to be some sort of deferred, delayed gratification that that is the uh, primary driver of decision-making. And that's true for everything. I mean, it's true for your health too. Like pizza tastes way better than grilled chicken every day of the week. Every day of the week, pizza is better than grilled chicken. What is interesting, and Angelo's actually made this point in the past, that the grilled chicken tastes much, much better the longer you have it. Like I remember... (laughs) Not true. (laughs) (laughs) I had lots of grilled chicken in the last week and a half, and I can assure you it did not taste better on the 17th pound. And it also, the stuff that's loaded with uh, bad stuff tastes worse. I remember, I remember that I will give you the worst food will take, like if you kind of abstain from sugar for a while or, or, you know, you don't eat a lot of salty snacks and that sort of thing. And then you go, you know, you haven't had a Coke in forever. And then you go have a Coke. You're like, my God, how do you drink this? It's like pure sugar. Like that is true. Your taste buds will change. I, I, but I've, I haven't reached the point yet where I'm like, Hmm, chicken and broccoli for breakfast, lunch, and dinner again. Delicious. (laughs) Lucky me. (laughs) Uh, thanks for the question, Mike. If you've got a question for us, head to stackybenjamins.com slash voicemail. And you know what? Uh, Mike showed up in a great stacker shirt, but it was the OG shirt. It was the Ben aviator shirt. Now he's going to get the greatest money show on earth shirt. So Mike's collecting them all because he was brave enough to call in. So it's like a punch card Buy 10, get one free. It is. Yeah. Hey, uh, big thanks to everybody who is brave enough to join me for these Million Stories interviews. It takes a lot of guts to do that. And uh, I just want to say a big thank you because you've helped so many people by telling your money stories. I'm incredibly appreciative of everyone who's done this along this tour. Want to thank you also for just spending your time with us today. Thanks for kicking off another week with uh, OG Doug and I and uh, Angelo Poli and all these people. Coming up on Wednesday, more fun here. We're going to go over with this uh, weird market that we're in. We're going to talk about the top five things to think about when you're choosing new investments. That's going to be a fun OG and I top five. So we'll see y'all back here then. Last but not least, if you're not here for top fives or for million stories, regular people interviews, you're here because you really need to get moving. OG and his team are taking new clients. So head to stackybenjamins.com slash OG. That's the link to their calendar to upgrade your team, get better surround sound, and start marching toward those goals. All right. That's going to do it for today. Doug, you got it from here, man. What should we have learned today? Well, Joe, I'll tell everybody what they should have learned. First, take some advice from Mary Grace, Cecil, Billy, and Maria. Taking charge of your money story is as simple as saying things tomorrow are going to be different than today. Start moving. Your journey begins now. Second, Take some advice from Angelo Poli from MetPro. Tracking your investments or your health progress is a big part of winning in your journey. Keep moving forward and track your wins. But the big lesson? Listen, you can call it a marathon, but we all know running long distances is pretty much the same as swallowing a whole season of Netflix in one sitting. It's just a binge. Anything you're doing for that many hours is not healthy, no matter what they say. 
I don't care if it is running. Thanks to Angelo Poli for coming down to the basement again. You can find all things MetPro at metpro.co. There's no, there's no M. It's, it's .co. Well, there's an M in the Met at the beginning, the MetPro, but there's not one at the end. So just, you'll figure it out. Plus, want more of our interviews with people like you? Find our Instagram page and follow us, Stacking Benjamins Podcast. This show is the property of SB Podcasts, LLC, copyright 2022, and is created by Joe Salcihai. Our producer is Karen Repine. The show is written by the brilliant Paulette Perhatch, with help from Joe, me, and Doc G from the Earn and Invest podcast. After you listen to our show, check out the 201 Deep Dives, written by our website manager and blog editor, Brooke Miller. You'll find the 411 on all things money at the 201. Just go to stackingbenjamins.com slash 201. Once we bottle up all this goodness, we ship it to our engineer, the amazing Steve Stewart. Steve helps the rest of our team sound nearly as good as I do right now. Want to chat with friends about the show later? Mom's friend Gertrude is our social media coordinator and the room mother in our Facebook group called The Basement. So, say hello when you see us posting online. Here's a weird fact. Both she and Tina Eichenberg are never in the same room at the same time. To join all The Basement fun with other stackers, type stackingbenjamins.com basement. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we'll see you next time back here at The Stacking Benjamin Show. Not only should you not take advice from these dorks, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any financial decisions, speak with a real financial advisor. Remember, kids, sun's out, guns out. I come out of the elevator. It's late at night. It's like 11 or something. And I wasn't feeling well. And the woman behind the front desk is in the process of taking the whole mini bag of Fritos. She pulled out everything she could from that bag and was lowering them into her mouth as I'm walking out of the elevator. And she sees me out of the corner of the eye and she's like, oh, I'm committed. I got to do this. So she just, she puts them in her mouth and just starts chewing as fast as she can. And I'm just walking right at her. We're like eye contact the whole time. I'm like, this is a girl who has my priorities. And so...
she she's just chewing as fast as she can and we're just looking at each other the whole time she's like hold on she give me that look like hold on a minute i'm go i'm chewing i'm working on it and she finally finishes and i'm like do you guys have any any of those you know ibuprofens you can just hand me a couple ibuprofen packets and she's like no but we have our little store around the corner i'm like damn it because i know those are going to be and they were they were a buck a pill but uh anyway so i get that and i come back to pay and i want to pay can i give you some cash she's like oh no i've closed up my drawer what Hotels don't close out drawers. You can't. What? <laughs> you open 24 7, 365. There is no drawer to close. It's always open. So, uh, okay, fine. I'll give you my card. So, the whole time we're doing this transaction, on her upper lip, I see this white thing, and I'm convinced it's a piece of a Frito and it will not go away. And it's just flapping around the whole time because she's chewing the whole time. This is like she's got a three or four minute amount of food in her mouth. And so, uh, the whole time, I'm trying to run the card and she's doing whatever she's doing back there. I just see this thing over her lip that's just flapping around. And I, four times I'm tempted to say, oh, you got a, you got a little thing that, you know, that just, you can just wipe right here. It's like a skin tag or a mole. How bad would that have been? Yeah. That's the, cause if I'd said it, that's what I told, when I told Joe the story right after it happened. That's his first comment was, that's like, you can't ask a woman when the babies do. Because that would have been the same thing. Or you no. got a thing. And she'd be like, no, it's a medical condition. It would have been ugly. Lissa had that happen to her when she was in college. Talk about motivation to get, get in the gym. What, in college? Somebody, well, she was working. Somebody said, are you, uh, now you're back. There you go. You know, when's the baby due? <sighs> She's like, What? She's a tiny girl. Why would anybody ask that? Well, I put him up to it, and I was like, I need to. to." (laughs) That happened when my wife was in college. She somebody asked her if she was pregnant. Talk about talk about motivation to get in the gym. Oh my god, no! They ask me that every every weekend too. Like, when are you? (laughs) It's the baby. She just it's a baby coming. Soon. She just keeps asking you, and you're not getting the hint. Oh yeah, I've that's that's why it's seven in the morning, and I've already I've already sweated to the oldies. He's got to have a reason to keep eating for two. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month, and I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you, and as a Marine. You can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.